Yes, you hear that music, and you know exactly what that means. It's another episode of the 3-in-1 podcast. Joining us from Cleveland, Ohio, please give it up for International Ian Lamont Morgan. Yeah! Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. And here in the capital city, it's your boy, Malcolm Morgan, Boomer. So... You guys probably already noticed we are short one. It is a two-in-one special today. Our brother Keith it will not be joining us, but we are going to hold it down in his stead. Hashtag Team Dark Skin. Boom. Twin pack. Twin pack. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot going on in Cleveland, which we will get to shortly. Oof, uh, let's, goodness let's go ahead and talk about the trade deadline. A lot of activity um, while we were gone. Um, one of the most notable moves was Tobias Harris joining the Philadelphia 76ers. They also added some more bench help with Mike Scott um, and Jonathan Simmons, amongst others, and getting rid of Markel Fultz. So, yep. Ian, how do you feel about these new-look Sixers, and where do you think they fit in that hierarchy in the East? I feel like Elden Brand is uh, really making his move for GM of the year. Yeah. Um, th- those are some solid moves uh, to have already made the addition of uh, of Jimmy Butler. Well, let's go back even before that uh, to have already kind of restocked, retooled after the departure of some really key parts. Um, who did they lose this summer? Ursan Ilyasova, yeah. uh, who was a big part Bellinelli. of what they did. <laughs> yeah, Bellinelli. Um, I feel like there was another one. Uh, Dario Saric. No, no, no. Yeah, he was part of what Yeah. Right, and so then, yeah, you acquire Jimmy Butler, but you lose Robert Covington and Dario Saric in that deal. Um, and those are another two guys, shooters, uh, guys that made Philly unique. You know, we remember last year, uh, the thing about them was that they could attack you from a lot of different ways and a lot of different shooters. And so mm-hmm. uh, even though they acquire talent, they, the dynamic of that team um, is just kind of changing before your very eyes. So to turn and look... To see them make this deal, acquired Tobias, still got J.J. Redick, still got, of course, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And so that starting five is fortified, but then making those additions on the bench, like you mentioned, um, they, they, they cover some of their, um, their weak points. Uh, they ship off the distraction that was and is Markel Fultz. <laughs> Um, the, all of that uncertainty and everything, which uh, whether we think about it or not, it matters. You know, yeah. last year he him being out, he was out, he was injured. That was the, that was all you really needed to the story. Um, but you know, if you're talking about building culture um, and hoping to get guys like Jimmy Butler to resign, um, you know, those are some important things that you need to have. And so, yeah, I I, I give uh, I give Elton Brand a lot of credit. I know that they lost some some what some some draft capital. Uh, yeah. But that's that's the price you got to pay, you know, when you enter into win now mode. Um, one can only hope that they've done enough to uh, to keep him. I, oh, Tobias is a rental too, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. So whew, a lot of he got he's got some work ahead of him. Uh, definitely got some work cut out. But no, Tobias Harris makes them a serious, legitimate problem in the Eastern Conference and honestly in the league. Period. Yeah. Um, you, you've got to be impressed with how aggressive Elton Brand has been in his first year. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, their bench, but adding uh, a, a solid backup four in Mike Scott, um, you add Jonathan Simmons, a guy that I really like going back yep. to his San Antonio days, um, a good two-way guy that can give you some another athletic perimeter defender and a guy that can hit some shots. You add the great Boban, Boban! on the inside to, to kind of spell Joel there a little bit. Um, and then they, they picked up another wing in James Ennis, who, you know, not spectacular, but still solid. Gives them a little bit more depth. I would like to see them get one more guard. I was hoping they can get in on Wayne Ellington, um, give them some good shooting. But if they can get one more guard, I think this this will be a really tough team. And, and we're and we're already seeing it. They're really starting to gel now. Yep. Um, you know, adding a guy like Tobias Harris, he's he's going to come, come in and be a good locker room guy. You're not going to have to drop plays for him. But he's shooting over 40% from three. He was averaging over 20 points a game uh, for the Clippers. So he can really come in and fit in. Um, and I think it was Joel Embiid that said, you know, 
the big thing for them was having another guy that that him and Ben Simmons can pass out to on the double teams when they drive to the basket and can hit yep. a three. Yep. So you you pair him and J.J. Redick on the perimeter, and then you can kind of stagger the minutes of those big three or four guys and really have a potent lineup at all times on the floor. Yep. And like Jimmy, he can create his own shot. I yeah. mean, he's, he's very – and you don't think about it because he was in Orlando all those years, but – he was doing some pretty interesting damage in Orlando. Again, it's just yeah. it's easy not to pay attention to. Um, and even he went to Detroit, and, and even still, he's consistently been a guy uh, that can go out there and get you 15 to 18. Um, and like you said, he was averaging over 20. But a guy that can get you 15 to 18 yeah. can sometimes be the difference in the playoff series. Uh, whether or not you have a strong third and or fourth option, um, on that 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 really does some things, and he puts forth the effort on defense. So, not no, like you said, uh, Elton Brand came out in his first year and said, "Hey, despite all this craziness with burners and all this other stuff, you know, <laughs> I am not just a fill-in GM." And so, I, you know, you got to be happy to see that because he could have just taken this job, laying down, said, "I'm going to keep this young core and see and see what we get." Uh, but yeah, like you said, he's been aggressive, which you have to be in this in this ever flourishing Eastern Conference, as we'll talk about. Yeah, um, you know, and we talked a little bit about that, Markel Fultz. Just you know, last year in the playoffs, he was basically you know a nothing player. He if he yep. did play, he only played a few minutes. And so for a team that that plays as well as they do and, and plans to make as deep a run as they do, you can't really afford to have a roster spot for a guy who's not going to be able to help you in the playoffs. So being able to get a body in there that is actually going to be able to help them on both ends of the court, like Jonathan Simmons, um, I think could pay dividends for them, especially in the playoffs. Yeah. Yes, sir. I'm so, excited, man. Yeah. It's, the, the East is really – we'll talk a little bit more about the East here in a minute, but the East is really starting to shape up. Um, real quick, how – well, do you think how, how good of a fit is Markel Fultz in Orlando? Um, how could that situation be good for him? Um, well, it's interesting because, uh, of course, there's not a wealth of talent there, but there are some pretty strong uh, players. Of course, he won't be pressured to be the guy. I think that can still be Aaron Gordon. Um, he won't be pressured. Um, to do well to overdo it he'll still have viable options to get the ball to um of course you know uh, uh Vucevic is having a career year mm-hmm. and so having a big man Vucci man I, I love that guy man having a guy uh, that you can dump the ball to that, that you can you know run some pick and roll off of I think he's got structure now, whether or not it's a solid structure, whether or not it's a, you know, the, the environment is great there. Um, I'm not sure about the coaching situation either, but um, he's got the pieces to really be able to develop without pressure. And yeah. I think that's an important thing. Uh, yeah, you don't want to find yourself at the bottom of the, of the conference, but uh, if you want a situation where you can, you know, really rehabilitate um, not have all of the press, not have all of the all of the shenanigans that we've been seeing. Um, he needed a quiet place, and so I, I think he lands in a really good spot. I want to see the cat come back. I really do. I want to see him come back and thrive. Um, I think here he has the best opportunity to do it. And Orlando's not too far away from being a fringe playoff team if they mm-hmm. add some more talent. Like I said, you know, if Markel does develop. Uh, and show himself to be a, a strong player. Is Terrence Ross is still there too, right? Yep. And so uh, I, he should not still be there. I don't know why he didn't get dealt. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, if you if you talk about you know putting some pieces, uh, some other pieces into play, if folks can come back strong, then you know it won't be long before they start seeing some playoff success or an appearance. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, I think I think what'll help help here as well is that you know this team needs a point guard. Absolutely. Um, and in Philadelphia, he just wasn't going to get that opportunity to play on the ball a lot when you're playing with Jimmy Butler and Ben Simmons, two guys who can handle the ball pretty well in their own right. So here in Orlando, the the pressure will be off. Um, you know, he'll get a chance to get back to what he's probably more familiar with, handling the ball, running the offense, and he could be more aggressive. And he won't have that pressure of, A, being the number one pick, and then being in games that really matter. And, you know, in Orlando... You know, they're not in playoff contention, so he can really take the time to develop, work on his game, and get his confidence back. Yeah, um, and, and the one underrated thing about this is is the coach, Steve Clifford. Um, Kemba Walker talks about 
how kind of the turning point in his career was Steve Clifford coming to take over, over the Hornets and really helping to get him the confidence he needed to become the player that he was. So I'm looking for Steve Clifford to, to do a similar thing for Mark, Markel Fultz. You know, and even if he's just 75% of what he was coming out of college, that's still a really good player. Yeah. Um, and so I know not just us, but everybody uh, in the basketball world has to be rooting for Markel Fultz to come out of this um, and come out of this a, a good player. Absolutely. And let me clarify, I, it's, it's not a Steve Clifford thing when I talked about coaching. I really meant more so organizationally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Orlando's not had a great history of really making solid moves, uh, keeping key players there. You look at Dwight Howard. Um, you look at what they were and were not able to do with Tracy McGrady. Some of that is just due to Grant Hill being on the decline. But, you know, uh, so at at this point, you want to see some continuity. You want to see, you know, good collaboration and hopefully a culture uh, that can really develop because that makes a huge difference. But I also like that, um, you know, he's got guys like DJ Augustine. Yeah. Uh, um, there, you know, so he's got some, some of that veteran leadership that you also need. So I hope that this, you know, doesn't become a battle thing. I hope DJ Augustine accepts the fact that he's 31. And needs to be a mentor, um, yeah. but yeah, man, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to it. You know, T Mac, coach him up, coach him up. Just don't give him those extra long wide leg pants that you be wearing on TV. Oh gosh. Um, oh, no. <laughs> so we talked about one of the biggest deals, but let's talk about one of the biggest deals that didn't happen, um, and that is the Anthony Davis trade. Um, you know, for a while there, it seemed like there was some momentum leading up to a possible trade with the Lakers. Uh, but it doesn't really seem like the uh, the the Pelicans were really serious about making that deal. So the question now becomes, how can the Lakers um, kind of recover from this? It seems like they were really all in, hoping that they could make this deal. A lot of people on the block are now back with the team. And so they've got to figure out how to kumbaya and get all those people back in line. So how do you think this lack of a trade is going to affect the rest of the year for the Lakers? I let's start here. I I've never I've never checked my phone more in my life. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you know you're looking for updates, and it was very active trade deadline season. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, you're just looking for some type of progress. You know, you're just getting all of these different conflicting reports. And um, ultimately, you know, when it comes down to it does seem like New Orleans is just kind of toying with the Lakers. And if that be mm-hmm. the case, again, I get it. You know, I get the Rich Paul, LeBron angle, you know, where guys want to stick it to them. Uh, you know, people, you know, calling and laughing and pointing at them, saying they really messed up, stuff like that. But if that really was, if this whole thing was just a ploy, and they never intended to deal him. I, I really hope that they get their comeuppance because that's <laughs> it's that it's a jacked up thing to engage in yeah. just just to prove a point. Why? Because these guys are people. They do have families, um, and you know we can want our athletes to be robots as much as we want to, but it's hard to remain focused. It's hard to endure um, feeling disposable. And that's, uh, you know, these are athletes that have ego and they have to so they can do their job great and entertain us. Uh, so to, you know, to just to, to juggle and, and things like that, these people like that, it was that was kind of messed up to see. But boy, was it fascinating. Um, <laughs> so I was tuned in every single minute from here on. It's really interesting, man. Uh, New Orleans, they, they decided to play A.D. So they just move forward and keep losing with him. Um which is kind of weird, you know. They they know they're turning the page, and I guess as long as they had that understanding, they're cool. On the Lakers side, man, um, I tell you what, I, I would have been a lot more pessimistic before they had that big win against Boston the other day, mm. um, which seemed to galvanize them, which seemed to, you know, see them come together a little bit. And of course, it's easy to after a game win a shot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, everybody's excited uh, after a buzzer beater. But I do think those guys have the capability, um, and especially with Rondo and LeBron being there, being able to say, "Listen, we, we've been a part of you know these ever changing teams before." You know, forget the noise, forget what you heard that it was other people doing. Go prove your worth. Go prove your value. Uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of ways they could approach it. I think they can be fine, which is yeah. interesting. I wouldn't have said that a week ago. The part that I think is is most challenging to them, Malcolm, mm-hmm. 
unfortunately, it's Magic Johnson. Mm. He's doing some really boneheaded stuff and just creating more headlines than need be. Now there's the investigation about him and Ben Simmons. And there's all the stuff, you know, I mean, him talking about he was just going to go in the locker room and give all the guys a big hug after the AD deal fell apart. So it's just, you know, I kind of want Magic to disappear for a while. Like, bruh, you need some reevaluation <laughs> time anyway because uh, you got to figure out what your next move is. But, yeah, I think they can be fine, but I think Magic is more of a hindrance than a help at this point. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think they will eventually be fine. I mean, this is the first time these young guys have been through a trade deadline like this. Um, the bigger problem is just health for the Lakers. They just can't all be healthy at the same time. Um, yeah. You know, the they started out the year without Lonzo. They get Lonzo back and they lose Rondo. And then they, at one point, had lost both Lonzo and Rondo. Ingram has missed some time. Kuzma has missed some time. Um, Josh Hart won't play again until after the All-Star break. Um, they just can't get everyone healthy at the same time. Then, so, then LeBron went down. Yeah, and then LeBron went down. And so, you know, if you look at where this team was prior to the LeBron injury, they were, you know, in contention for a home court um, in the first round um, and really playing well. So they've just got to all get healthy, get back in sync. You know, I think adding in uh, veterans like Reggie Bullock and Mike um, Scala can help, uh, but it's going to be all about gelling and getting healthy at the right time. Um Interesting schedule thing to look at here, though. They play New Orleans three times <laughs> between now and the end of the season. First yeah. one, February 23rd in New Orleans. And then mark your calendars for February 27th. They'll be hosting the Pelicans on ESPN. And then uh, they'll be playing again. Um, I lost the other one. Uh, March 31st, they'll be playing again at New Orleans. Um, at yeah. the Smoothie so King Center? At the Smoothie King Center, oh, gosh. Uh, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how the rest of this this uh, season plays out on both ends. Obviously, they want to deal AD to get this distraction out of the way um, and kind of move on. But at the same time, he's there. He's their meal ticket right now. Um, yeah. So I mean, it would behoove them to shut him down, but it seems like there's some disagreement between them and the league about their ability to be able to do that. Um, you know, the Lakers, I think they eventually will be fine. Um, and they'll go into this offseason and try to make a deal. Their best pathway to have their best team is to sign somebody this offseason and then make a trade. So, um, you know, because that's, you know, they'll have the money available to sign somebody and then they can use their young guys to get a third piece. So hopefully, you know, hopefully they can pull something together this offseason um, to get LeBron some help and, and put together a good little trio in L.A. Yeah, but we shall. We shall see. Um, so there was two other big moves in the Eastern Conference. The Raptors adding Mark Gasol and the Milwaukee Bucks adding Nikola Miritich from the Pelicans. Which one of these moves do you think is going to be the biggest help to their team? Um, It's tough. It's tough. But I'm going to go with Miritich. Mm. Um. And it's not even because of Miritich. It's interesting. Yeah, the dynamic that he brings, it opens up their offense. It kind of blows things wide open, especially since Brooke Lopez is a, is a sharpshooter now out of, out of somewhere. Um, Stretch Curry. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Chris Middleton. Um, um, Bledsoe is a decent, you know, decent guy, uh, point guard. Brogdon's playing really well. It gives them some some more depth. Um, and Miritich is just, you know, I mean, even on the defensive end, he's been bringing it. So that's great. Uh, the reason I think it puts the Bucks over the top is because I'm still not impressed enough with Kyle Lowry mm. to think that Toronto could have could afford to not have upgraded their point guard spot. Well, they just did. They signed. Well, let me let me put it this way. Lynn Sanity is coming to the north. They signed Jeremy Lin, who just got bought out by the Hawks. So there you go. There's your answer to the Kyle Lowry conundrum. So they still didn't upgrade that uh, that point guard <laughs> spot. <laughs> and I think that, uh, yo, shout out to Jeremy Lin. I was a fan of Lin Sanity. It was it was great while it lasted. I love I love that two weeks when the world was Lin Sane. Um, yeah, it was it was a. It was a mighty, mighty wave that became a droplet in a bucket very quickly. I, I, 
I don't understand that signing for them either because after Lowry and Van Fleet, and I, who's the third guard? That's uh, well, they traded. They traded Delon Wright for Mark. Oh, that's so, right. That's right. That's right. Um, and Van Fleet is out right now. Yeah, I, I just you know what? Shout out to Jeremy Lin. Uh, get ready for Lin Sanity too. Um, get to be Lin Sane. Get the shoe deal ready. <laughs> um, it's going down, but. Yeah, I, I just uh, I, I think Toronto needed that upgrade. Unless Kyle Lowry just decides to, I don't know, go to the Wizard of Oz and get his heart back, because uh, the the emotional Kyle Lowry that's kind of going through changes all the time in the media and everything. And you know, I I, I remember the dog, the Kyle Lowry mm-hmm. who, uh, what was it, Memphis? He was where he was Memphis just in Houston. He was just hounding guys, yeah. just after him, and so you know, I really just I, I hope he can he can return to form. If so, the trio of Lowry, uh, Kawhi, and Gasol can be deadly, especially with those other guys. But for right now, I'm gonna give it to uh, to the Bucks. Yeah, I think uh, I think LeBron has permanently broken Kyle Lowry. <laughs> Both he and Dwayne Casey are broken. Um, Decompression. <laughs> I love the, I love both of these uh, pickups. Miritich is really going to help them even f- spread the floor even more. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw what he did for the Pelicans last year and their run up to and through the playoffs, um, really helping them. I really see him having a similar effect there. Um, but I'm actually going to go with a Mark Gasol in Toronto. Mm. Um, one of their, I guess, weak spots is kind of on the inside. Um, you know. Jonas Valanciunas has been playing sporadically in the playoffs. He's just not as effective and doesn't really impact the game as much. Yeah. Um, but in the playoffs, potential matchup against the um, against the Sixers, Marcus Gasol actually guards Joel Embiid pretty well. He's a yeah. big body. He knows how to play defense. He can lean on Joel and make it tough for him. And he also gives them another floor spacer. You can play him and Ivaka together, and then you can play four or five out um, and really create lanes for Lowry and uh, Kawhi to get to the basket and do what they do. So yeah, I really like that pickup. He's a good veteran. He knows, um, you know, from that grit and grind background how to grind out wins. And in the playoffs, you need guys like that. And then it gives you, once again, a guy in the post that can get you baskets both inside and outside. Um, you know, if Lowry can get close to what he has been over the last couple years, this team gets gets really good. But um, I still think they still have the versatility to play small at times too, without Gasol in the lineup. Um, you could still play Surge at the four and Siak. I mean, at the at the five and Siakam at the four. Yeah. You can really put some athletic wing guys out there that can really defend. So I think this allows them to play both ways effectively while still kind of fitting in that modern NBA with a guy that can pass and shoot like a soul can. Yeah, definitely. I mean, let's not forget, he's a former defensive player of the year. Yeah. Uh, So the thing about that is that defensive wit, while your athleticism may go, uh, while your ability and your quickness and things like that, but your defensive wit, um, um, that reaction time, we've seen it with Dwayne Wade, guys like that, it still comes in handy. Yeah. Uh, Knowing how to pick your spots, knowing how to leverage – you know, where you are on the floor, uh, yeah. being able to study guys' tendencies. And I do agree with you that having having Ibaka at the four is best-case scenario, period. Um, I think it's, it's where he's, he's best suited for. Um, I think, you know, he gives the best weak side help like he was in OKC when he's at mm-hmm. the four. And, uh, and, you know, since he likes to be a three-point shooter and everything, you know, helps for that stretch situation. So I, I'm – I'll be honest, man. While I I went with the Bucks, I'm so excited. I, I my only regret is that Victor Oladipo got hurt for the year. Because yeah. I I mean, because now to see this really become a true five team race at the top, and Indiana still hold it down. So I'm not gonna write them out. But I, but without a star, we know how that goes in the playoffs. But yeah. I'm excited about the top of the East. Absolutely. So now that the trades have kind of settled in. Um, now it's time for the buyout market. And so uh, we've seen kind of some early action with Wes Matthews going to Indiana, sliding into that spot that Victor Oladipo left open. Jeremy yeah. Lin um, is also signed. There's also some other attractive options out there. Um, Mark Keefe, the other Morris brother, is available. Of course, your boy, Carmelo Anthony, is available um, amongst some other good players. 
So, Ian, what um, what team do you think is going to be active on the buyout market, or what player are you looking forward to see where they end up? Well, um, uh, you mentioned Melo. Of course, we're curious to see what happens with him. Um, is it is, is the Alex Sabrinas really get bought out? Yeah, he got waived, but he's been dealing with some personal stuff, so I'm not sure if he's going to end up anywhere. That's a huge pickup for anybody who needs a shooter. Yeah, uh, because he's been clutch for the uh, for the Thunder uh, for the last couple of years. Um, I, I find Anus Cancer to be an interesting yeah. option for you know for somebody who's looking for uh, some bench size as, as well as bench scoring. Um, while I want to just shatter his Twitter into a billion pieces, um, <laughs> Anus Cantor, you you cannot take away the fact that he is a uh, I say an elite scorer in the post. Yeah. Um, the guy has footwork, and he has footwork for days. Um, there's not much, much else. Uh, you know, I know Wesley Matthews already signed with the Pacers. You know, we, we talked about Wayne Ellington. Uh, Shelvin Mack picked up by the Hornets. If, if the Hornets, if the Hornets were, you know, good, that would matter a lot. I wish they were good. I really want them to be, uh, but it's not going to happen. So. Um, yeah, and then uh, uh, Ben McLemore, interesting pickup uh, for landing with the Ra- with the Raptors. I'm looking at guys who are anticipated to maybe be bought out, mm-hmm. and some interesting names pop out. J.R. Smith would pop out if the Cavs had not already confirmed that they will not buy him out. I don't know why <laughs> they had that man in in, in prison. I don't, know what, I don't know what they're doing over there. Um, but Channing Fry sticks out. Uh, I we know what he can do as a as a bench guy as a, as a locker room guy as a presence, um, but also given that stretch four capability, yeah. I think that's something to look for. Um, and then uh, who was the other guy? If bought out, uh, I was just looking at that can make a a pretty big difference. Um, I lost it, but at least uh, yeah, Channing Fry is my one that I'll go with. If he if he is bought out, I'm looking for somebody to pick him up. Somebody who needs shooting, and that size. Uh, it could be somebody like a Portland. It could mm. be um, 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 uh, Dallas is pretty much out of it. There, they're yeah. they're they're trying to go in a certain direction. But you know, any of those teams that that need somebody uh, in that type of capacity, man, I'm, I'm really looking to see uh, where he might end up. And it's interesting to say, I know he's not a head turner. Uh, but man, culture and and work and know how they go a long way this time of year. You see guys make playoff rosters that had never hadn't played all year, <laughs> and so uh, yeah, it's 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 game time. It's, it's Dante Jones season, baby. Oh gosh, <laughs> Dante Jones. <laughs> um, so yeah, some of the names that have already been picked up: Wesley Matthews going to the Pacers, Wayne Ellington to Detroit, Shelvin Mack, as you mentioned, going to the Hornets. Um, I'm interested to see Robin Lopez is one that's um, he's been picked up. It looks like he's the Warriors are very interested in him. He may just end up going back there. SoCal guy, um, you know, I think that's a much needed acquisition for them up front. Another veteran big. Some of their young bigs have kind of fallen back a little bit. Yeah. But Robin Lopez is solid defensively, a good veteran in the locker room. Um, you know, I mentioned Marquise Morris. He was having a pretty good year for the for the Wizards prior to their trade. Um, it'd be interesting to see if the Celtics could bring him to Boston and he can, him and his brother can be back together. Um, but the, the Rockets, the Rockets, Lakers, and Raptors are interested in him. Um, you mentioned Cantor. Carmelo obviously is the big name looming out there. I think most people assume he's eventually going to be a Laker, but um, I, I hope somebody's able to pick him up because I think he still has something to prove in the right role. Yeah. Um, if he can agree to that. Um, some other interesting names out here. Zach Randolph expected to be to be waived by the Mavericks. Um, he hadn't really played all year for the Kings. And then he got he was a part of the uh, trade for Kristaps. Um, and so I'll be interested to see if somebody wants to take a flyer on him. He's a veteran. He knows how to play in the playoffs. Um, you know, the right locker room, he might be a good fit. And then Greg Monroe was traded to the Nets. Um, and they're expected to waive him. He seems to be always available around this time of year, yep. one way or another. Um, but a team that needs some size up front, maybe he could help somebody. Um, but the the guy I'm really I really want to see 
Um, Markeith Morris, I think, could really help somebody as a stretch four. A guy brings you some toughness, some ability to shoot, and do some things in the post and rebound. Um, he could really help a team looking for that additional depth up front. Um, I'm looking at you, Lakers. I'm looking at you, yep. Rockets. Um, so, yeah, that's the guy I'm looking at. And then there may be a name that comes up that we're not thinking of. Um, so we'll see what happens here down the stretch. Cantor, I would just – I would love to see Cantor go to, to L.A. and then talk about how much he loves LeBron now. Um, I love, <laughs> love stories like that. <laughs> you know you know where Cantor would want to go. Please go okay. – Oklahoma City? Please, Oklahoma City, take that man back. (laughs) You still have his heart. This is the guy who, while with the Knicks, was tweeting Thunder Up. Um, Oh, my gosh. I I really can't deal with cancer anymore. Interesting. uh, I don't know if this will actually happen. There's some rumor that DeAndre Jordan might get released or might get brought up. I heard they were looking to keep him for the whole year. He would have been at the top of my list, too. Yeah. Um, just what he could bring athletically, but it looks like the Knicks are going to keep him for the for the rest of the year, which I think is a good move. So, well, he's he's one of Kevin Durant's closest friends. Is he? Yeah, I didn't know that. But that's a thing. They're really good friends. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it seems kind of random, but yeah, they're really good friends. It's <laughs> very random. Oh, KD and and DJ back to Dallas. <laughs> back to Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, know. I don't know why. I, I don't want to talk about KD to New York. It's uh, it's too hot in the streets. Too right late. Now. We're going to talk about it. No, I'm kidding. You don't want you don't want KD yelling at you at the press conference. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't. By name, I don't want him picking me out. No, here's the funny. Okay, this is the the extent that we'll talk about KD. So you know he had that big press conference where he you know told everybody to grow up and you don't want to talk about free agency and all that stuff. I mean, and you got Ethan Strauss, <laughs> but his company bought an office in New York City. <sighs> yeah, this is definitely it was it was it was dramatic, but it was a weak attempt to smoke screen to get everybody so to stop paying attention. Then you get the Knicks with KD on the season ticket. Oh my god, that's it's, so great! Yeah, that's so uh, great. It's like thanks, thanks, Kevin, but nah, we're we're good. We're gonna keep talking about you, bro. Kevin Durant, he he just seems like he's so unhappy all the time. I don't know what that's about. Um. All right, one more NBA topic before we switch gears a little bit. The Celtics. Um, you know, there have been rumblings that things aren't right in Boston. Um, you know, and Kyrie just, every time it seems to kind of die down, Kyrie just stokes the flames some more. Yep. Um, and then Marcus Morris, the other, other Morris brother, came out this week and saying that the team really hasn't been happy playing together for quite some time. Um, you know, this was a team that had high expectations coming into the year. <laughs> And now it looks like, you know, now Kyrie is also out uh, for their big game Tuesday against the Sixers, dealing with a a knee injury that's going to keep him out. Um, You know, he's expected to be day-to-day. But how real are these grumblings in Boston? Um, Is this kind of a sign that maybe this team won't stay together beyond this year? Or do you think they'll be able to pull it together and put together a deep playoff run? I'm so glad you posed the question as how real is it? Um, mm-hmm. Now I'll tell you the real thing that I'm concerned about is that knee injury, uh, yeah. Kyrie and knees. I just I, I don't I always get nervous about those, uh, so I definitely hope that he is healthy. I want to see him last through the season, and uh, I thought they were kind of slow rolling him out, you know, pace him out. It seems like he's picked up that number one load really heavy, and I I mm-hmm. kind of don't want to see that. So if he gets some rest right now, I'm fine with it. Um, how real is the noise? I tell you what, it's interesting, uh, you know, that all of the Kyrie to the Lakers, Kyrie to here, Kyrie to there, all of the talk. Kyrie, Kyrie back to Cleveland. Yeah. He, <laughs> Kyrie won't even play Cleveland. Um, <laughs> he's, he's, he's dodging. He's dodging you know, a young bull. Every time they play Cleveland, Kyrie is sick with, I don't, he's sick with the, the ankle he's, flu. He's got the sexton flu is what it is. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but uh, I find it interesting that a lot of this drama has started around January. Now, why mm-hmm. would I find it interesting? Remember, remember, before coming to Boston, Kyrie spent his entire career, but in particular those last four years with the Cavs with LeBron. What did LeBron do faithfully every January 
Um, he was the instigator of some type of drama, whether it was it was subtweets, whether it was interest in other Instagram or social media posts, whether it was cryptic stuff that he said in the media, fit in or fit out, just you know, so on and so forth, <laughs> uh, just different things. Um, you know, that one year he went out and said that he just needed time to rest his body, and so he missed about two weeks in the season. Now, I'm not saying that Kyrie's been talking to LeBron, but I'm saying that Kyrie said he's been talking to LeBron. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think that, I think, man, these teams, they they find some type of something in having this turmoil go on in the middle of the season. And and I, I don't know. I'm just crazy enough to think that that model may have traveled. You see, the Lakers are having it. LeBron's doing his job. Uh, he's putting the Lakers through the ringer uh, with, with all of this stuff. But um, yeah, so I, how real Blame is Dale it? Blame Dale Demps for that one. I yeah. I mean, there's there's a cast of characters, uh, uh, very <laughs> very wide and long for this one. But um, yeah, I, I don't I don't take it to be very real. Uh, they are such a talented team, a talented team that. Oh, they're one game away, a couple couple buckets away from the NBA Finals last year. I think the team knows what they are. They know what they're made of. Brad Stevens doesn't strike me as the type to run a ship. You know where the where the, the um, where they just go loose. I think that that is a tight system there. Um, and eventually, as Gordon Hayward makes his way back back into shape. Uh, we're gonna see the full force of the Celtics, and I, I personally still expect to see them in the finals. <sighs> I think this is real. Um, early, first of all, when he er, in the beginning of the off season or beginning of the season said, "You know, if you guys will have me, I'm gonna resign," I didn't believe him for a, a whole second. I didn't believe him. Um, it felt really, it felt a whole lot like an emotional move you make. <laughs> You know, you say something, your girlfriend says she loves you, you don't really love her, but you feel like you got to say it back. Um, <laughs> that's how it felt to me. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, at first it looked like it, it was probably nothing, but Kyrie just kept kind of, he wasn't shying away from it. Um, and then, you know, the quotes come out that he didn't owe anybody anything, and he'll make the decision that's best for him, and... You know, not going, not really going out of his way to push the rumors. You know, even LeBron with all of his drama in a situation like this would be like, well, you know, I'm committed to what we're doing right now. He didn't even go that far. Yep. He said, oh, we'll figure out what we're doing this summer. And he's, you know, he's not even saying yeah, he's man. focused right now. He, Talk you know, to me July been, 1st. Right. He's been very vocal about how frustrating it's been with these um, young players. And these young players... The other aspect of this is that these young players did it without him last year. Yep. Um, many of them in starring roles had breakout years, and now they're not quite having the same year they were. Scary Terry, uh, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, not quite the same acclaim when you have Kyrie Irving there. And on the flip side, Kyrie's like, well, y'all aren't playing well enough to win a championship, and I know what it takes. Um, and then I think what really lets you know that there's, there's something deeper wrong is when you have um, a guy like Marcus Morris come out and say, you know, we haven't had joy playing together for quite some time. That's telling to me, um, you know, a team that's had the success that they've had, you know, they've had a, a record wise, they've had a, a pretty good year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and to have a team that young, not playing with joy, not excited to play with each other, especially when you look back at how they played together last year all in the playoffs without Gordon Hayward, without Kyrie Irving. You couldn't say that those guys weren't having fun and didn't have joy, even in the playoffs, even when they ultimately lost to the Cavs. So there's something there. Um, I'm interested to see how this team can close out this year. Now we have this knee injury with Kyrie. How is this going to affect him You know, long-term the rest of this year and into the playoffs? Um you know, obviously he he missed a big chunk of last year and all the playoffs with a knee injury. They're going to need to be really cautious with him because you know, as much as this team hasn't quite gelled without Kyrie, this team is not a championship caliber team. But what I will say is that this team right now is currently in the five spot, and I would love to see a Philadelphia Boston opening round series of the playoffs. I think oh that'd be a lot of fun. Um, that would be an incredible series. Joel and the new look Sixers with Kyrie, Jason Tatum, and these guys. It'd be a lot of fun to see that uh, rematch um, from last year's playoffs happen in the first round. 
with a healthy Kyrie, who would you have in that matchup? I'm 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 gonna lean toward Philly. They're they're Ooh. really starting to play well right now. Um, Embiid is at. A, I mean, I I looked. I knew that he was playing well, but I don't think I truly appreciated how great of a year he's having. Um, he's he's putting up MVP type yeah. numbers right yeah, he, now. He's been dominant. Um, you know, twenty seven, almost twenty seven and a half points over eleven. Uh, excuse me, over thirteen rebounds, more than two blocks a game. Um, I mean, those are shack like numbers right there yep. from a big guy. Um, and then you add in, you know, what JJ Reddick is doing, averaging eighteen points. Jimmy Butler averaging eighteen points. Tobias Harris averaging eighteen points. Ben Simmons averaging sixteen points. Um, this team can just beat you from a lot of angles, and they're starting to hit their stride a little bit. And I still think they have another level to go once these pieces kind of mesh together. Um, I and I think. The thing that they have now that they were missing in the series last year was you have a closer and a guy in Jimmy Butler who can make a late game play. Um, you could put the ball in his hands. He could make a play for himself or for others. Um, and they didn't have that last year in the playoffs, and it showed, especially in that Boston series. Yeah, man. It's interesting. Yeah. I'd probably go with the Sixers too, but I am still confident that uh, if Boston can, if Boston has their stride, with that youth and that length yeah. and that uh, and that system, frankly, um, and the just the special talent, and talking about clutch, a guy that's proven that he can he can take over your fourth quarter. Terry bring, Rozier, yeah, or or <laughs> or Kyrie. Well, you know, one of those two. Oh, I I guess I mean I guess Kyrie is kind of proved. I don't know, man. I'm looking forward to it. It, it. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Any yeah. any of these teams that end up matching up, though, it, it's gonna be nuts. Yeah, I mean, man, I'm ready for play, I'm ready for some playoff basketball. Yes, sir. Um, but let's switch gears a little bit. Talking about the NFL, the big news, uh, the surprising news for most of us: the Cleveland Browns signed Kareem Hunt. Um, yes, that same Kareem Hunt who was seen <laughs> on video kicking a woman, I believe, in Cleveland. Mm. Um, you know, this is going to be a move. I think that's going to be covered from now until the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, but let's go to our resident Cleveland reporter, Ian, who is sitting outside um, the Browns practice facility right now. Um, how do you feel about this move? Do you think are you surprised by the timing of this move? And then on the field, how does this help the Browns? Who Malcolm, I'm reporting from a bush in Berea. I'm right outside the <laughs> facility. And um, you know what? We I think we talked about it on the pod um, a few months ago when, to, when discussing Kareem Hunt and whether or not he would come back. Um, I think you guys said he sit out a year and he come back. I, I said that I think somebody would grab him up this year. I did not think somebody would scoop him up in February. Um, his foot still hurts from kicking. A, I mean, it's, yeah, it's 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 nuts. <laughs> it's nuts to me that um, I, I'm sorry. I, I love my Browns. I love the direction that they're going. I love the forward thinking of John Dorsey. Now he understands that this is this was going to be short lived. He understands the turning of the tide. Not that domestic violence is anything to sniff at. It mm-hmm. is. It is. It is a super serious issue. Yeah. Um, that video. It was. It was disgusting. It really, truly was. Um, I understand that there's basis. There's two sides to every story. But honestly, that woman could have called you every name in the book. Um, yeah. There's some some report that she spat on him. Some of the other things. I get it. I get it. I get it. I would see red too. Um, but you have to have the wherewithal to think uh, before you act. And also, uh, there's an extent to which you do it. If you just pushed her on that video, it would have been you know something to talk about. If if you pushed her and, and pushed her down, it'd have been like, okay, bro, you took it a little far. Uh, mm-hmm. But to go to the extent like you are kicking a woman in the head, yeah. um, you know that that it's it's tough to justify that, no matter how you got there. Yeah. Um, so that said, 
made it even worse that uh, John Dorsey's press conference today about it, he got grilled by a couple female reporters, and it, it was not good. Mm. It, it was awful. Um, John Dorsey is a very confident guy, football guy. Cleveland loves him, and uh, he's been the toast of the town ever since he's gotten here. But when he when those women ask him those questions, questions like, what do you say to women in the organization who are against this type of decision? Does Kareem Hunt represent what the, the Cleveland Browns should be to the community? Mm. Uh, you know, things like that. And he's fumbling over his words. He's sticking to his talking points that they did their extensive research. And from what they found, Kareem is very remorseful and he's he's doing different things to uh, it. it and the thing is, with all of that said, as you know, he kept calling it an egregious act. Um, mm-hmm. He sounded like an android, like a cyborg that was <laughs> that was having a shortage. So he just kept saying the same answer, not answering questions, sidestepping. He was politicking. Now, it was it was bad. I I personally, I think you got to give a guy like that more time to say, I've gone through this process. Because yeah. saying I'm going through or I'm going to do, it loses its savor when a team goes ahead and signs you for a million bucks. Hmm. Um, that said, I, I mentioned it before. John Dorsey knows um, the NFL is an arms race. And mm-hmm. while they care and they're compassionate and they put out these statements, ultimately what they're interested in is talent. There's probably not very many bigger talents that were available then a Kareem Hunt. Everybody's looking at Le'Veon Bell. Everybody's looking at Antonio Brown. Uh, so to scoop up Kareem Hunt for a uh, for the low low, <laughs> it's it's a brilliant business move. So I cannot fault him there. And I do like I said, I thought it would be sooner um, than later when somebody picked him up. But right now, a little too soon. A little too soon. I expect this to be talked about. And frankly, um, the interesting part, of course, winning cures everything. If the Browns have a winning season, this probably won't be talked about as much. But from now until training camp, this is the this is going to be the noise. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very surprised that it happened this early. We talked about it on this pod before. I I thought for sure he'd be out at least a year. Um, usually, when you have videos and stuff like that that come out in this climate, those images don't disappear very easily. So. Um, absolutely surprised this early. I mean, February, nobody was even thinking about signing free agents. Um, but you know, Browns are taking a risk now on the field. I think it, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of they work out these uh carries. I think there might be another deal down the road. Um, I think Duke Johnson is probably going to be the odd man out here. Um, in yeah. this rotation, yeah, he's probably uh, gone. Because Nick Chubb had a had a very solid rookie season, um, you know, was really on. Looked like this year he was going to be the back heading into the year. But you bring in Kareem Hunt, a guy who who's as as explosive as any running back um, in the NFL, um, can help you both, you know, running the ball and catching the ball. Um, it, it's an intriguing one-two punch to put behind Baker Mayfield. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how the Cleveland community re- reacts to. Uh, Kareem Hunt with this team. Um, we've seen it with other controversial players, whether it's Eric Reed or Mike Vick um, in the last couple of places he played. Um, how is the community community going to react to them? And then how is that going to affect the team's ability to market this team and that player? Um, I still hold true that I would love to see a love to see um, Hart Knox come back to Cleveland again this year. Oh my gosh. Um, Harder knocks. <laughs> Harder knocks, please. Please can we make that happen? And can we bring in Hugh as a special assistant or something? I just I need more Hugh Jackson in my life. Hugh should narrate. <laughs> Hugh should narrate. <laughs> um so yeah. I'm really surprised. Um obviously the talent is there, but there's just so many red flags and the other the other elephant in the room is that the NFL has not completed their investigation yet. Um, they were hoping to have it done by the time, you know, for free agency to officially begin, I believe, in March. Um, and so now it'll be interesting to see how, if this speeds up the NFL investigation, if they're close to wrapping up, and then does the NFL, um, you know, the NFL does have the right to do some additional um, punishment in this case. So that could also affect 
um, his standing with the team, whether or not he's able to play right away, and how much he's actually able to help this team on the field. And if he's not going to be able to help this team on the field, is it really worth the distraction of bringing him into your locker room? No. Uh, (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's really not. And this is going to be a big distraction. They're going to be talking about it all offseason, all preseason, no matter what happens this offseason. They could bring in Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, (laughs) and Mike Tomlin, and they'll still be talking about this. Um, So it's going to be a big cloud hanging over this team, um, especially until the NFL investigation completes. Um, I'm just always interested in these teams that say we've done our due diligence but when there's still a larger investigation still going on, well, what did you do other than talk I, to the guy and he told you he was sorry? Apparently they hired uh, <laughs> Sherlock Holmes. And I, <laughs> I don't know how you get an, ahead of the official investigation. Uh, like I said, he knew, he knew as this wrapped up, if it looked like, and let's remember where John Dorsey's was coming from. He's, mm. coming, he's coming from Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, so he, he's got a relationship with these guys. And so if Kareem Hunt, let's, you know, say, if he sits him down and says, give me the whole story top to bottom, don't skip a thing, and he believes that he knows everything, uh, they they will eat the heat. Um, I hate that that rhyme, but they'll take, <laughs> they'll take whatever heat. <laughs> they'll take whatever heat uh, to, to get that talent, again, at a discount. Um, knowing that I can purchase damaged goods that will essentially change the entire dynamic of yeah. my offense. And, and yeah, you know, I, I, the, the thing is, this team at this at this point, this group of guys, they are welcoming any talent. Now, yeah. I know competition, you know, that, that changes some things throughout the season. But I think if you ask Nick Chubb, you know, what it'd be like to be a part of a one-two tandem with Kareem Hunt, I think he'd be all for it. Um, you would hope. And so, you know, if all things go well, it's amazing for the Browns. Anybody checking like, the anybody checking the transfer portal? Did Nick Chubb put his name in the transfer <laughs> portal? <laughs> Every everybody's in the transfer portal for the Browns. The portals are open. Um yeah, I d I don't know. Like I said, it'd be amazing for the Browns if it all works out. It's just a move that I personally did not think was necessary right right now. But Hey, they landed a uh, quite a catch. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how this works out. We'll see. Um, real, real quick, um, one more uh, football um, topic before we get to our last topic, which I really want to make sure we get some time to talk about. Kyler Murray um, officially committed to football over baseball. Um, we'll talk some more about draft and all that later. Do you think he made the right decision real quick, yes or no? Uh, yes. Yes, I think, um, yeah, yes. Football's, football's always going to get uh, more looks than baseball. And in this day and age, uh, football players' faces are getting known more and more than ever. I think market-wise, he made the right decision. For his body, baseball probably would have been a better decision. But, you know, um, I mean, I don't know. He took this year. You say it real quick. I'm sorry. He took this year kind of as a litmus test. He already knew that he was getting drafted in the MLB. And then you go and you break all type of records and you win the Heisman. So maybe that <laughs> let him know what he should do. Um, so, yeah, I think he made the right choice. Yeah, I'm, su- I'm surprised that he picked baseball. But it seems like he's always loved baseball. Yeah. Um, that's look. I mean, it's not baseball. It seems like he's always loved football. Um, just football didn't seem like it was a long-term play because of his size. But, you know, seeing Baker Mayfield do what he did and then winning the Heisman, I think, obviously changes your perspective and changes your prospects. Good luck to the Sooner. Hopefully he can uh, get a good um, spot in the draft and end up on a good team. But we'll talk more about the NFL draft a little later. But I want to make sure we spend at least a little time talking about this last topic. Uh, Maya Moore. Yeah, um, Standout player for the Minnesota Lynx, four-time champion, multiple-time um, Olympian and gold medal winner, is stepping away um, from basketball, both international and in the WNBA for 2019, to focus on some ministry aspirations. I just want to spend a little bit of time about what this means to have not just any athlete, but an athlete, you know, some would say the best uh, basketball player um, in the WNBA, um, one of the best basketball players in the world, um, stepping away in her prime um, 
to focus on some ministry and other aspirations that she have has. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, and what do you think that means? Um, man, I've got a few different thoughts. Uh, you know, for those who don't know, just um, just being in ministry myself, uh, being being a, a man of faith, um, a believer, man, it's, it's it's huge to see athletes on the scale that I mean, you're talking about best of sports scale. Yeah. Um. Uh, so a scale like Maya Moore, uh, to say and prioritize and say, you know, this world has some things going on, um, that are more pressing than my profession. They're more pressing than my fame. More pressing than what's honestly my craft. I love to do this. Um. But there's something that I love more. There's something that I, uh, that drives me more, and that is to get out there and do what it is that I believe I'm purposed to do. I hope that a lot of people take this example. I know it may be confusing to some folk, but hey, there's a Bible passage that says God uses the confusing things to to confound the wise or to, you know, he, he makes he makes sense of things uh, through confusing things uh, more than he can sometimes through wisdom. Sometimes we think we know so much uh, that we miss out on what it is that we can learn. And so, you know, somebody seeing an athlete walk away from fame and fortune, quote unquote, for an entire year uh, Mm -hmm. to pursue things that matter more. I I really hope that people take to this example and evaluate what matters in their lives. Um, Let your goals be something uh, that can actually change the world. We don't know what it is that she's doing, um, but I'm, I'm proud of her for being able to say that this is what I'm doing and this is why. Frankly, in a day and age where Christianity is is it gets bullied for being the reason for everything. It's the reason for wars. It's the reason for division. It's the reason for racism. It's the reason for, you know, holding certain classes in slavery. It's the reason for this It's programming people. It's, all you know, so um, um, it's a bold move, bold step. Um, of course, I want to see my more on the basketball court again. Um, but I'm looking forward to, and that's the other thing, is that uh, she's now put a spotlight on what her next endeavors are. She says she wants mm. to focus on her family as well. Uh, I want to make sure that we keep uh, keep in perspective that part because that's the first ministry. That's the first responsibility uh, is to really take care of your family. But uh, whatever she does, I think it'll get paid that much more attention because she's made it clear this is my choice to pursue over basketball right now. Yeah, you have to you have to be impressed with somebody who, like I said, she's in the prime of her career. Yes, sir. Um, you know, one of the best players. I, I enjoy watching her play, um, even back to her days in UConn, even though I detest UConn basketball. Um, she's just been that dominant force um, on the court for quite some time. So to see her, um, you know, has something that she's passionate about outside of sports. You know, one of the things that she talked about was her family in ministry. So. Um, kudos out to her. Um, it's it's always great to see well-rounded athletes that aren't just all about their sport, but have other things that they're interested in, um, and and a higher calling on their life than just scoring baskets or just shutting up a dribble. So, um, shout out to Maya Moore. Um, enjoy this time off doing the things that you're passionate about, and uh, we'll be patiently waiting for you to make it back to the court um, and watching you dominate um, day in and day out. Oh, so I got a question. Me, yes. Real, real quick. Do you think, I know WNBA has been a lot of conversation about wages and equality, things like that. Um, and I believe Maya would have made the same decision either way. If WNBA players are getting paid 10, 15 million a year, you think it makes this decision harder? I think it makes it different because... You know, because they're not making enough money in the WNBA, they have to go play overseas where they actually make their money. Right. Um, so, so essentially, they're playing year round. So they don't really, right. they don't really have time to do anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think maybe she wouldn't have to make this decision a because she's not, you know, having her body is not as taxed having to play year round, and then you add on top of that Olympic um, competition as well. Um, I don't know if there's more than year-round basketball, but that that sounds even uh, longer than usual. Um, and then, you know, if you have an off-season, you could focus on your family. You could focus on other things. But when you don't have an off-season and, you know, the time that you're not in the WNBA, you're not even in America. You're overseas, um, away from your family, away from the things that you, that you really care about. So 
Um, maybe, you know, if she was making more money, she might actually not have to make this decision because she would have a little bit more balance to do some other things in her off time. Interesting. Interesting. I, I was just wondering if uh, if this decision would move the needle in that conversation mm. uh, either way, because I thought about the same thing. Uh, you know, if you give these give these ladies time to, to to pursue their passions and allow them the lifestyle where they can provide without having to overextend themselves and yeah. you might get a better basketball product mm-hmm. and, you know, you may be uh, may be able to keep these ladies fresh and uh, and they won't have to do things like this. But I, again, I commend Maya Moore. Shouts out to her. Um, she is her. She is in the Diana Tarazi Cheryl Swoops class to me. Yeah. I mean, my Morris, she's smooth operator. Yeah. So, uh, and the other thing we're seeing too is you're seeing WNBA players who are, you know, making different decisions than they normally would. You know, Sue Bird didn't go and play overseas. She's working with, um, I forgot the team she's working with. I think it might have been the Timberwolves, I believe, that she's working with, um, or the Bucks. I can't remember. Um, but she's here and not playing overseas. Candace oh, yeah. Parker working for TNT yeah. in the NBA, in NBA TV, um, not playing overseas. So these women have other avenues now that they can make some money as well as still be connected to the game um, when the when the WNBA isn't playing. So um, hopefully this is a, this is a wake up call for some of these players and an opportunity opening up other opportunities for these players to do other things um, and not have to go through just the grueling schedule of being basically having to be in playing shape and being on call all year long, being away from their families overseas, especially during the holidays and, and, and things like that. When you're, you know, playing basketball in Italy and your family is here in America, that could be a really, a a really big strain for you. So, um, you know, but I would love to see the conversation shift to making sure that these women are getting compensated what they deserve. Um, and, and allowing them more freedom to do some things off the court that they, that they also enjoy and are passionate about. So we are we are nearing the end of our show, but you all know how we like to end it. It's with our parting words. Ian, give us your parting words for tonight. Man, my parting words are really truly all about the Grammys. Uh, I don't know which <laughs> Grammys it is, um, but from Michelle Obama, just ugh, when she took the stage, it was like a hug to America. So shout out to uh, to Uncle Barry and Auntie Shell. They they are still a breath of fresh air, um, just the class and the dignity that they bring. Uh, also want to shout out her, having everything revealed, taking a couple of Grammys, uh, been a big fan of uh, how talented and her story. Um, and so that's been great. And finally, PJ Morton. Um, just want to shout out Bishop Paul Morton's son. Uh, just excited to see him get a Grammy, get his due. Um, and I hope this is just the beginning for who is an immensely talented and extremely influential musician and singer and songwriter and producer. Shouts out to PJ. Love, yeah. gumbo, well-deserved Grammy. Yes, um, my parting words are going to go out as a shout-out to Eric Reed. Um, re-signed with the Carolina Panthers. For three years, just just over twenty two million dollars a year, um, you know I'm glad to see him flourishing. He had a great um, abbreviated time with the Panthers last year. Obviously, he's been a lightning rod for for controversy related to the anthem protests and the grievance he filed against the NFL. But shout out to him for getting an opportunity and then capitalizing on the opportunity. We're still yeah. waiting for Cap to get a shot. Um, but I'm excited to be rooting for the Carolina Panthers and Eric Reed next year, um, getting him in a long-term situation, or I'm sure that a lot of this money that he'll be receiving is going to go towards some good causes um, and pushing forward the mission that he, um, Kaepernick and others, are trying to push of social justice and awareness for um, all of those um, disenfranchised people across the country and across the world. Yo, can I give a uh, a corporate three in one shout out? Do it. Want to shout out our brother Keith Turner, who recently celebrated a birthday. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, Keith just got to turn Big up 5-0. for <laughs> Had to turn up for you one time, man. Uh, we love you, brother. We appreciate you. Uh, we missed having you on, of course. But um, big shouts out to you. God bless you. Everything that's happening in your life. Glad you're here another year, big homie. Yeah, we miss you, Keith. Big five zero. Okay, y'all. He's not really fifty. I'm just joking. <laughs> um, but yeah, miss you. Miss having him, our brother, with us today. But the show must go on. And that's it. That's another episode of the Three in One Podcast. Two in One Special. Boom. Twin pack. From double double. <laughs> from <laughs> Cleveland, Ohio. It's International Ian Lamont Morgan. Y'all stay classy. And here in the capital city, the 614, it's your boy, Malcolm Morgan. Thanks for listening to the 3-in-1 podcast. See you all next time.